Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the popular Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. My name is Youngmi Mayer. I'm the host. I usually have a guest on and then they usually share a sad story and then we try to laugh about it in hopes that hair will grow out of their butthole. But this week I don't have a guest because it's just me and my fucking jet lag and my thoughts and I'm just sitting in my apartment rotting away thinking about my trip to Thailand that was like a, almost a month long and I just got back. I'm just going to do a recap of my trip and I was sort of feeling like who the fuck am I to talk about myself and my thoughts about traveling? Like, ooh, like who's going to want to hear that? And then I was thinking about travel like content. Content is a weird word for it. But travel logging, I guess. I don't even know what it's called. But you know, like the art of somebody traveling, coming back and telling you about it. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, throughout the history of humans, who has who has done that? White guys, right? Obviously, we all know. Like, but think about every single person that's gone somewhere and then come back and told people about it has been a white guy, usually, unfortunately, an unfortunate, like, Lee, weird, uh, rich guy's failure son, you know, who had undiagnosed ADHD because it was Belgium and it was 1745. Like, that's the kind of guy that would go somewhere and then come back and give you his perspective. And that there's a long history of that, right? Like, think about even, like, you know, our our shared enemy, Christopher Columbus, like, well, what the fuck was he doing? He went to the new world, you know, what are, that's what they called it back then. They were not, they were stupid. And then he came back and then he told everybody about it, but we were seeing his perspective, some fucking horrible rich man's white man's perspective. Right. And that history of traveling somewhere and then telling people about it to this day is true because even like up to very very recently like i would say five ten years ago the only people that were doing it were like white men like i I remember like 15 years ago there was that really famous like british guy that had a show on discovery channel you know there was andrew zimmern there was all these other obviously the most beloved anthony bourdain who i think is uh, unique because even though he is a white man he was he wasn't rich and he was like normal and like we could like relate to him you know because he was just like fuck this fuck that and we were like yeah this guy is like this guy is like one of us you know and so i think he's a little different and of course he's much beloved but still a white guy and then recently the only reason why other people have been able to do it is because of the internet and now we have like these travel bloggers who are just people that are mostly rich people <laughs> and yeah like in america like most of them are white but they're no longer just men right and then we have other kinds of people people who are not white and now we're getting all these fresh perspectives um of people that are just doing their like little internet travel stories and and I, for some reason i feel like they're some of them are like afraid to put their inject their personalities into it because now if you look on tiktok or youtube you see a travel blogger and they won't be a white man. It'll be like a young, like Asian woman or like, you know, like a, like a black man. And they have like an interesting perspective, but then they're like kind of like fallen 
they're like an employee of the algorithm. So now they have to do 10, 10 most popular places to visit in Chiang Mai. Do you know what I mean? And, and then you're just like, what? This is just the worst. This is just like a commercial for Delta. And so um, it, it's weird that now we have this freedom to sort of inject our personal experiences into travel, which I feel like people really are thirsting for. They really want to hear fresh perspectives. Um, but then then we end up with somebody wearing a fucking straw fedora in Tulum, like five best places for brunch in Tulum. And it's like, you could be doing anything, sis. And this is what you chose to do. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so... So I'm going to like take my original I thought of feeling embarrassed that I, I feel like I have I should take up space with my ideals on travel. And then I'm going to delete those thoughts and then uh, bring up new thoughts and say I, sh- I should say my perspective because I think it's important to see a, the perspective of somebody that is very aware of, you know, colonialism white supremacy mindset racism all those fucking things that just made a bunch of people turn off this episode and 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 like and see what i saw through that perspective especially if you share that perspective so i'm going to start talking about the four places that i visited in thailand starting with bangkok again these are my perspectives of travel so i'm not going to really get into that much information about Uh, things to do there and travel tips and things like that. So if that's the kind of episode you're looking for, unfortunately, I will get into a little bit of it, but it's going to be more like my thoughts. So um, because I feel like every time I start talking about a place, I want to like give information like Bangkok is the capital of Thailand and there's these many like, but I'm not going to do that because I feel like that's just, you know, you can find a million other people that will tell you stuff like that. Okay, so this is my perspective on Bangkok. I got there and right away, what I noticed was it's a giant city. It's huge. The airport's very clean. Obviously, it's Asia. The airport is from 5023, and we're living in 2023. Um, all the billboards in Bangkok are Asian people. And I think, you know, obviously, in Asia, most <laughs> billboards are Asian people. But, you know, when I was growing up... um. There was a lot, not a, a lot, but there was a, a quite a bit of like Western beauty standard influence. You know, it was always some sort of blonde model, probably some like 15 year old Russian child that was like coerced into it, you know, on these big billboards. And it was uh, it, there wasn't as much as America It was probably maybe a third. Right. Not even half of them were like white faces. But in Thailand, literally I didn't see one fucking billboard with a white person on it. I, I hand to God, it was all Asian people, and it was mostly Thai celebrities, and and also, unfortunately, Koreans. <laughs> and I say that jokingly because obviously I'm Korean, but you know, it was mostly Thai celebrities. There were a lot of. Um, ads with k-pop stars i did see obviously some with lalisa who is thai uh, who is uh which is amazing i was like go i want all the billboards to be lalisa honestly and you know it made me feel really happy and it was like really moving to see that and i think for a lot of asian people especially asian americans and i hear them talking about this a lot it's just striking when you go to asia and you're like holy shit you don't have to deal with the you know ever-present uh oppression of 
European beauty standards here? Holy shit, you know. But it's a complicated conversation, especially because of the presence of Korean celebrities, because obviously Thailand's in Southeast Asia and there's a lot of colorism in Asia. And, you know, if you look, if you're walking in Thailand, there's so many different kinds of people that live there that are not only Thai people, but foreigners. And there's so many different like skin tones. And it's it just seems way even more international than New York City. Um, but I think probably at least half of Thai people are darker in tone. And I know that you know, even though I don't know that much about uh, Thailand specifically, I know that that's a huge issue for most Asians in the world. And what I noticed from the billboards is that all the celebrities, even the Thai celebrities, were very light. And of course, the oppressive South Koreans were white as a goddamn sheet. And um, even though I felt happy that so much of the advertising and so much of the celebrity presence were Asian because, you know, for the Asian population, it's very nice to see that. Um, It was a little, you know, it's not it's not a perfect case scenario where a lot of people are being represented. And um, even though it's great that most of the people on billboards were the same race as the people that live there. um, Yeah, it's, it's a little striking to see that all of them are extremely pale compared to the actual population but you know what that's like i don't give a shit like i'm just like that that's not that's not my business you know unless the koreans are involved and i'm going to tell the koreans to back off a little with their (laughs) oppressive ideology but you know what can you do obviously advertisements are sold by what sells products and what people want to look at it's not and so that's like confusing it's like is it sort of perpetuating or like this is it like this beauty propaganda or is it being run by what people want to see and obviously Asian people like to see light skin and I'm not here to convince anyone otherwise even though I will say dark-skinned Asian people are so attractive I was just (laughs) I mean not like not that did that sound fetishy I just I just mean like it looks good I'm a big tan believer I just feel like everyone that's like darker is hot but like you know when someone's got a good tan on them that is attractive and I did get a good tan and I was like why do all my pictures look great I just I don't know I just I think people with tans look better you look better when you're a little sun-kissed well I did spend a lot of time in like the beaches and like stuff like that and I was like damn Asians look fucking good when they get a little tan on because you do not see Asians with tans in Korea they all look like they're uh in late stages of liver failure I don't know what's going on with the the pale skin Kore- uh, Korean people look sickly. Like they're they're taking it too far. Like I, I I saw some Korean tourists in Thailand, and I was like, oh my god, what's wrong? Did you did you get just get out of the hospital? I was like, oh no, that's just a Korean person. My god, I don't know. They're taking it a little too far. Um, that got weird and uncomfortable. Anyway, so that's like the first thing I noticed. I noticed that all the advertisements um were refreshingly Asian. Good for them. Another thing I noticed along the same lines of too many Koreans, there's too many Koreans here, is that there is such a huge influence of Korean culture in Thailand, you know, obviously, which makes sense. We all have been reading news about how K-pop is taking over the world and K-dramas, but it was like the first time I had been to a foreign country, I guess in Asia, recently, um, in recent years, that wasn't Korea, 
and i was like why are there so many fucking korean restaurants everywhere like i like the last day i was like just doing some shopping and i walked through this like uh, area that was like near a university and i was like oh my god this is such a like hip cool area and there's like young kids and i was like looking at all the stores and the restaurants it was like every other restaurant was like a goddamn fucking tteokbokki place or a korean barbecue place and i was like fuck yeah koreans but then also um you know i'm like used to feeling <clears throat> bad about like bad about that sort of influence i'm like what are what are the Koreans doing here? But again, it's like, what am I, what am I to say? It's obviously what Thai people like and Thai young people really like. They like K-pop and K so Korean um, media influence. And, you know, that, that like put a lot of thoughts in my head about, you know, growing up, you know, in the eighties and nineties, like the entire world, we were inundated with American Hollywood propaganda, which I like to call it, you know, where we watch these movies and we were told that the American way of life was better. And we sort of bought into that and like Pepsi and Tom Cruise and like things like that. And now it's really fascinating to see that happening with Korea, you know, to the rest of the world. And is it a good thing? I personally don't think it's that great. But it's also, it's it's good and bad, you know? What can I say? Like, it's, yeah, it's it's like it's happening again. It's like what I saw happening with America and what I didn't really understand as a child is happening with Korea now. And, you know, people are like, Korea and like BTS and let, let's all go eat tteokbokki. Like, that's, that's like having such a huge influence around the world. And it is like propaganda, you know, it's a soft power. It's, it's like powerful that youth... And young people around the world have this very positive view of Korea based on their favorite music. And, you know, now it's like, and like just seeing the the popularity of that like media and the ideology turn into actual money where now Koreans are selling, you know, tteokbokki, you know, which is obviously coming from Korea and they're selling, you know, these brands of clothes and the makeup brands are Korean. The the popular ones, like the when I went to the makeup store in Thailand, the popular makeup counter was like the Korean brands. Like you couldn't even get close. So it was like their version of Fenty. And you, you see that translating into dollars. And it's like, it's really fascinating to watch, you know? Anyway, also, I just want to say that I, I'm happy again I don't think it's a good thing completely I think a lot of it's really bad but I'm happy because I was telling people that I was Korean let me tell you everywhere I went I was like I am from Korea <laughs> um, whenever I saw like this one guy had like these BTS stickers and, and I was like I'm from Korea and he was like oh my god really and I was like fuck yeah um, so that's like one thing I noticed about Bangkok obviously I think that you would never in a million years hear a British backpacking traveler even talk about that or notice that you wouldn't even fucking know that can you imagine if fucking some some new zealand man white man went to thailand and then he did a show for the discovery channel he's he doesn't know what the fuck bts is he would never talk about that so i think that's an interesting perspective from the korean right the chaotic korean um 
Another thing about Bangkok that I wanted to talk about is it's a huge modern city, right? And and it's a lot like I saw a lot of similarities with Seoul and like the shopping area and like what people actually do there that live there. And those downtown areas and like how restaurants are set up and stores are set up. I saw a lot of similarities with Korea. And I thought it was interesting because I do think that you know, again, with the perspective that we're getting from travel people, you know, living in another country, because I always see these goddamn fucking videos of somebody going to like, a, like a street cart in the middle of like a dirt road, and then they're going to get a four cent bowl of crab noodle, which exists in Bangkok, obviously. But then, you know, you never see like a white travel blogger going to the mall <laughs> food court where they have Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, and you know what I mean? Like, because they don't, they want to portray this image of they're like, ooh, the white person going to a savage land and look at, there's no running water and there's no, nothing for nothing's gluten free, you know, like that. Like, they want to look like they're roughing it, but like, literally, they're standing next to like the biggest mall the biggest louis vuitton store in the world do you know what i mean and so i was like oh it's it's really funny how travel people curate bangkok to look like sort of rough and tumble which actually it is it is that but then they never show like that they're standing next to the fucking mcdonald's do you know what i mean and so like going to that part of bangkok which which i think is like i understand why white people want it to look so like rust like rustic because they want to give this image of they're really traveling to a remote part of the world and like really roughing it but i think it, it does such a disservice to the people that live in bangkok because what it does is for people it makes it into this la la land fake place in their head meanwhile it's just literally like fucking new york city you can call like their version of uber you can get uber eats it's like a different brand, a company but it's called grab you can sit in your fucking apartment in your underwear and get spaghetti bolognese delivered at 3 a.m. and play video games and eat that. And then you can wake up and go get a coffee and eat a fucking bun and go to the fucking mall. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, that's literally they have everything there that they have in New York. But you, you, I feel like a lot of people that travel there um, outside of like the people that do it for social media, because social media, I think they're really good at covering every part of it. Like the official travel white people that go there will never show you. Do you know what I mean? That that it's just a normal city. And I think a lot of that is so dehumanizing. I'm sorry. It's dehumanizing and it's the white gaze. And I and I'm not for it at all. So so my I guess my takeaway to Bangkok, if you if you're interested in traveling there, it's a huge city. It's a cosmopolitan city. It's literally just like whatever, wherever you live, New York City, it's like Paris, whatever, Seoul, they have everything that you you will have in another city. There are uh, obviously a bunch of street carts and food vendors and things that you see in other travel videos, but they also have the subway, you know, they have nightclubs, they have nice hotels, they have hostels, they have everything. It's a big city. A, a majillion people live there. I don't know how many people live there. And um, it, there's a lot of different ways to view it so you know so that's good to know i know people probably you know especially if you haven't traveled it makes you nervous because you you know you're seeing these videos of somebody eating like noodles out of a 
cart or something and you're like oh my god what am i gonna do um before i move on to the next location that i went to i want to also talk about this one thing that i kept hearing people ask me so whenever i posted a video where i was eating food in thailand there would be a white person unfortunately that would ask me if there was vegetarian food there and i just want to talk about that because um Obviously, if you don't know this, that's totally fine, because why would you know something about a place you've never been? But Thailand's primary religion is Buddhism. And, you know, as we all know, Buddhists have been vegetarian for thousands of years. And not all Buddhists are vegetarian because, you know, like think about Christians, right? In Christianity, it's against God's will to get divorced. But a lot of Christians are divorced. But even though they believe that they can't get divorced, they still get divorced. (laughs) Like, it's kind of like that in Buddhism, you know, it's a big part of their religion to be vegetarian, but a lot of Buddhists are not vegetarian, which is totally fine. Um, And because of that, Thai people are aware, not only aware of vegetarianism, but a lot of them have been doing it for thousands of years before America existed. So, um, so when the white people would ask me, is there vegetarian food in Thailand? I would get kind of upset. Um, And again, it's not because they're ignorant of a fact about a country they've never been to, because that's totally fair. And I am also ignorant about a lot of countries. But I think what was upsetting is that, and I'm not accusing every person that said this of thinking this way, but I think especially in white cultures, when they see non-white cultures, there's this knee-jerk reaction to thinking that the food of that non-white culture is not going to meet their standards of cleanliness, safety, or, you know, whatever their standards are, including vegetarianism. And I think that's a hugely problematic reaction that's like almost like a, uh, like an inherent, like thoughtless reaction that white people have to non-white food and culture. And I think that that needs to be examined Again, I don't think everyone that asked me about that was coming from a place where they thought that Thai culture is inferior to them. But I think a lot of them had that instinct and reflex without realizing it. And I think if you are a white person and you're looking to travel somewhere and your first instinct is to be afraid that their food will not meet your standards whatever those standards are, whether it's vegetarianism, cleanliness, whatever, I think you should really examine where that feeling comes from, because I don't think it's a good place. I think it's it comes from a place of cultural supremacy. And I, it's really scary. And it really scared me because I kept seeing it over and over again. And it was only white people. And let's be honest, there's a lot of vegetarian people out there that are not white. They're, you know, Asian vegetarians and black vegetarians, but none of them were asking me that. And that's what was very concerning to me. And after, you know, hearing about the Buddhism, don't you think that's insulting? Like, it's so insulting. Again, it's fine that you don't know that, but like, it's like that video I made on TikTok about the 24 karat gold and how it's more pure and of higher value than 14 karat gold. But from the West, people are so used to seeing 14 karat gold that when they saw 24 karat, they thought it was fake or it was cheap. And then they didn't realize it was because it was a higher quality than what they're used to. It's like, 
it's similar to that not exactly but like it's this idea that wherever you're from you and your culture know more than the non-white culture right when in fact thais know about vegetarianism and they've known about it longer than you have and you know when, when you see that bare minimally it's exhausting and it's annoying and maximally it's insulting you know it's insulting to have that sort of mindset toward people that are not white anyway i just want to say that um i thought that was very interesting that i kept being drawn into these conversations online and i'm going to move on to the next place that i was at so the second place that i went to was koh samoy which is a, a island in the gulf of thailand it's a popular vacation tourist spot for um, a lot of different people, but a lot of people, it's large enough that there's a, a large Thai population that lives there. And it's, it's very, very beautiful, but there is a very large range. Like there is sort of the seedier sort of sad, um, budget, like vacation area that was like, that's where I saw a lot of white people with, you know, purple box braids and a lot of face tattoos and things like that, which is amazing. Good for them, I guess. Um, and you know drugs and whatever i guess and but then there's like all these like extremely high-end resorts and my friend oak booked us at this extremely fancy resort if you saw my social media you probably saw it if you're wondering how you know we budgeted for this trip and i paid for it because i when i got there i was like how the hell did i pay for this because oak just asked me to give him money and i gave him money whenever he asked you know, we planned the trip. Uh, it around. Th- it took like three months. And how th- I would suggest doing this if you're going on vacation. How we did it was, I bought the plane ticket maybe three or four months before I I left. It was eight hundred dollars, and and then like a month later, I paid for my share of the Airbnbs in Bangkok, which only came out to like two hundred and something dollars because the Airbnbs are very affordable so that was like 200 something for like a five-day trip and it was like a two-bedroom airbnb that i shared with my friends and then uh, like a month after that i paid 500 dollars for my share of the hotel room which is the hotel that we stayed in kosamoy which is very fancy as you saw but because i split it up it was like you know and then like every other two weeks or three weeks oak would be like can you pay this and he would put it on his credit card and then we would um pay him back right and so because i did it in increments i was able to afford it but it was weird because by the time i got there i had paid for everything and i was like i don't know if i could afford this anyway so that hotel was very fancy and what i wanted to say about kosama i don't have that much to say except but i do have a very funny story so i'm just going to share this funny story one the first night we got there we were looking for our friend vanessa's uncle and he doesn't have a phone or anything and he's lived there for like 20 or 30 years apparently so we were sort of looking for him and then we walked into this bar and right away like there's like these two like tattooed very attractive hip looking white people and they like spotted us because obviously we weren't everyone else that was there was like this old like british man playing pool because that was like a pool club and they like made a beeline toward us and it was like this very attractive woman and like this guy that was like covered in tattoos and I was like oh whatever these people and I was just like I was kind of giving off the vibe of I'm scared because everyone here is like this old white man and I don't want anyone to think that I'm like 
I don't want anyone to talk to me, right? And the woman started talking to my friend Vanessa right away. And she like pulled her away from her. And like Vanessa said something about the kind of work that she does. And her eyes lit up and she was like, oh, can you help me? And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And then I was talking to the guy and the guy was like, starts like buying me shots. And he's like asking me about all of us. And it's and like he's we're like flirting and I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to like sleep with this guy. And then I got scared and I ran away and I blocked him on everything. But because I was like, there's no way, girl, there's no way I'm going to sleep with some tattooed white guy. Um, But later on, I found out that the woman that my friend was talking to was like a Lithuanian, like only fans, like a uh, content creating person. And apparently as soon as she <laughs> pulled my friend away, she told her that I was like uh, plotting to uh like sabotage her career and she needed to get away from me and i was like oh my god that is so racist <laughs> like she picked she like picked the white woman and pulled her away from me and told her that i was like scheming and i was like holy shit i think we just like met some straight up like internet scammers literally like they were just trying to like get I, I don't know what was going on and I was like this is so scammy and weird and so like I said we all like ran away and um, stopped interacting with them but I was like yeah this is like definitely the vibe of the people that live in Kosovo just like some internet scamming people that are lightweight racist <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so that was like kind of fun was that a, was that an interesting story I feel like it was a little clunky because I felt like I there are things that I shouldn't say if you were like hearing some hesitation and some, some inconsistencies, I was just like, I don't know how much of this I should talk about. But the 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 end of the story is that we all got away with our credit card information intact and our identities not stolen. <laughs> and so that was like Kosmoy. Um, is there anything else I want to say about the island? I, I would highly recommend if you go to Thailand to go there because it is really fun. But there is like this main tourist area that's really depressing. And I mean that with so much love for the Thai people. But it's like, you know, it very much feels like they have to cater to a certain group of people that go to Thailand specifically to get very, very rowdy and to do I, I don't even know. And you go to these areas and you can just feel the oppressive force of that. And if, so if you do go to Kosmoy, if you like Google it, you'll see that there's like a main tourist area. I would highly suggest not staying there. I mean, it's okay to like visit, but you know, I think it would be best to do like what we did, like stay at a little uh, hotel or a resort that's a little bit more remote. Uh, there was like this really wonderful tourist area, like fishermen night marketplace that was cool and it was like on the border of being kind of like depressing but it, it's it's good to visit but I think it is uh essential to have like a place that's a little bit removed from that where you can just like sit on the beach and you don't have to really be inundated with that unless you know maybe you're like a 22 year old and you just want to party your face off and that's totally that's valid right and so that's like my wrap of Koh Samoy.
and the next place that I visited with my friends was Copenhagen. Again, I'm. I feel like I'm. It's like starting to get into that territory of let me explain this place to you, like what tourist stuff that there is to do. Oh, I forgot to say about Kosmoy that there's really beautiful waterfalls, and you can go. And I'm sure there's some that are even more remote, but we went to the popular ones. But they're really beautiful, and like there's a lot of stuff to see, and there's elephants and like nature stuff like that. It's not only the touristy stuff. So we went to Copenhagen. Um, not to be like this is what tourists do there, but the only thing that other people really have ever heard about Copenhagen is that they have this very popular monthly, um, like party called the Full Moon Party. I thought it happened once a year because it sounded so epic, like people were like so jazzed about it. But apparently, it happens every full moon, and so it's once a month. And all these people, you can ride a ferry from Koh Samoy. I don't think you can fly directly into Copenhagen. I'm not sure if that's true. So all these people will ride a ferry into Copenhagen to do the full moon party, and it's this big like I saw like videos of it. It looks kind of like Coachella e. I don't even know. It's like where people go listen to like music and dance on the beach, and people do a lot of drugs, and it's a lot of young people and. So <clears throat> that's what that island is known for to tourists. But also, there is a large population of people that live there. They're like expats, and again, it's like the brand of white people that I don't even know where they're from. Like I'm like I don't even know, I don't even know what your language you're speaking. But um, Copenhagen is that large like expat community that lives there are like the yoga retreat dreadlock having white people, right? And they are. Um, you know, I, I shared the story on my social media, but on the shuttle ride from the ferry to the hotel, there was like this a woman from Texas, like a yoga white woman, like wearing head to toe. Like I, it wasn't even Lululemon. It's like the next level of like yoga wear that none of us have ever heard about. And it all costs like four hundred dollars. And, you know, with like a lot of like Buddhist jewelry and she didn't have dreads, thank God. So that's why we talked to her. But just very yoga-y, very like pretty and nice. And she, we were just talking to her and she said, oh, you know, I used to live here for five years and then I had to move away because the yoga collective where I was studying or practicing or wherever turned out to be a huge sex cult. And the the leader got me tooed and she was like, it was very like devastating because I had to move and my partner at the time was completely bought in and brainwashed. So I had to like leave them and just like run away and like claw myself out of it. And she was like, this is the first time I've been back. And I think she said since 2016 or 2017 or something. And I was just like, whoa. And she was like, I'm really excited to meet all my friends. Actually, I should have followed her. Like that would have been an interesting like documentary, don't you think? So apparently she went back to meet with all her friends and people that she knew while she lived there. And we never saw her again. And um, I, I forgot her name, but I think I was referring to her as Sunshine. She had Sunshine vibes. And but after hearing that story, and just like literally getting to the hotel and seeing everybody at the hotel was like a white person with dreads and they weren't even like a lot of them weren't even staying there they were just like the white people that lived at the hotel and they would come to use the pool for free and like the thai people like just were like there they are again the freegans um i was just like oh i get the vibe of this island it, there's like something very sinister with 
I mean, I'm sure not all the yoga people, but there's like a sinister underlying like culty vibe, which I think a lot of even in California, you know, those like super yoga, like anti-vax people. It's like it's like borderline like sister wives vibes. And that I think people get really touchy when I say this because I, I know it's like more of a liberal thing instead of a conservative thing. But when I see white people that are really into yoga and like they're very like bought into this cultish mentality, to me, it really reads as they're people that grew up really religious in Christian, like Christianity. A lot of them will have like military backgrounds or Christian backgrounds. And then they swapped that for something that's exactly the same, which is like this patriarchal system of instead of, you know, falling in line with like a Christian pastor, now you're falling in line with like a yogi guru guy. And it's the 60 year old German man with dreads. And it's like, this is kind of the same thing, sis. And then, you know, like the woman that we met on the shuttle where she's like and then it was a sex call and he made us all blah 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 and i'm like yeah that that seems like pretty much along the same line you know it's very like mormony sister wives vibes that's like my perspective on people that you know i just feel like it's sus when anybody buys in too much to one organized thing you know like you you should have like your own perspective right but the, so that was a vibe of the island um this one interesting thing happened and I got in like a really interesting conversation with Oak about this actually because we were at this like vegan or like just it wasn't even vegan like an Indian restaurant that was very popular it was very beautiful it was really big and it was like it literally looked like we were sitting in the middle of like southern california like it was like set up like definitely like for white people and all the people eating there were white <clears throat> but when we were leaving this woman walked in with her child um her son who looked around six or seven you know they were white and her son had like like sun bleached dreads like you can tell that they just like you know swim and like live on the beach all day and when we were leaving she said are you are you done with your food? Cause we had like a few things left over on our plate. And it was like in this tone where it was kind of like, I thought she was about to say, Oh, that's really wasteful. You wasted a lot of food. So I was kind of like, Oh, what, what does this, what is this white woman going to say? But she said, um, you know, one of my friends was kind of like, yeah, yeah. What, 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 why? And she said, well, can I have it? And then <clears throat> Oak was like, oh yeah here here and he started carrying it to her table because he felt bad and she said well is it vegan <laughs> and he was like uh this is vegan but this is and she was like i'm not gonna eat it if it's not vegan and i was like see this is why like the two of my friends interacted with her but as soon as i heard her say are you like finished with your food i just literally like put on blinders and started walking toward the door <clears throat> and then and then they were like stuck having this conversation with this woman and they were like, well, this is not vegan. She was like, well, I can't eat that if it's not vegan, blah, blah, blah. And afterward, we had this conversation where I was like, you guys, like, I know that like my MO is like, I already, I have the spidey senses where I'm like, someone's going to act cuckoo here. This is, this is a cuckoo interaction. I'm not going to engage because I emotionally, I'm too fragile to deal with that. And they were talking about how <clears throat> they were like, oh, that was like <clears throat> kind of annoying. Oak was like, I think she needed the food. She was starving. I was like, no, she was at like a fancy Indian restaurant 
in like a touristy area of Koh Penang. I don't think she was like, like if she was actually starving, she wouldn't be sitting there trying to get, you know, vegan masala. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's a very different like vibe to when you're actually in need. You're not going to go sit it's like, oh, if you were starving and you needed to feed your child, are you going to go to the, are you going to go sit inside of like Gramercy Tavern and wait for their, you know, like, like I, this is not the vibe of somebody that's actually struggling. And then Oak was like, well, you don't know that. And I was like, yeah, you know, Oak is very nice and he, he sees the best in everyone. And we had this like discussion and I was like, you know what? You're right. Maybe she was starving and I'm just being a bitch. But I was like, when she was like, we'll make sure it's vegan. And I was like, here's that thing. And I, and you know, it's like the conversation I just mentioned earlier in this episode of even when you're asking for something charity, as a white person, you have to ask to see if it meets your standards. And I'm like, if you're if you're having to ask if something's vegan before you eat it, you automatically are probably not in a position that you actually need to be begging for food, you know, like, and I, I have so much sympathy for people who can't afford food. And I understand that if you even if you are unable to afford food, you have the right definitely to be vegan and have dietary restrictions. And I think those are valid. And I think that those should be met. But I, it was like hard for me to parse out. It was hard for me to engage and see if this woman was, first of all, doing this to be passive aggressive because that's the first vibe I got because she was like, well, are you just going to throw all that away? She came at it like that. And I was like, I couldn't tell if it was performative and she was trying to like make a point, um, in, you know, like or if she was actually starving. And it, and if she was, then she has every right to have dietary restrictions. And that's great. And, you know, obviously, it's environmentally great that she is reusing the portion of food that we were going to throw away and didn't order something new. And I, I think that's very valid. But it's, it's hard in those situations to really see what someone's intentions are. And that's like what I struggle with. And, you know, Oak and I agreed, we were like, we don't know, neither of us know what, what was going on with her. And I was like, and you know what? I would much rather just not have to deal with that sort of interaction unless it's like absolutely necessary. So that's like how I react to people like that. Anyway, so that was like an interesting thing about Copenhagen. Should you visit there? Absolutely. It's beautiful. Um, there, there, there's so many pe- white people that are yoga y and do dreads, but most of them are wonderful. Again, who cares? That's their life. And, and, and they'll leave you alone. And you can probably get some fucking sick ass yoga classes while you're out there. And, you know, who am I to judge? But just don't join a sex cult accidentally because then your family will be sad. Um, so that's that's my review of Copenhagen. Okay, the final place that I went to in Thailand, here's my, uh, my thoughts on it. It was uh, Phuket, and I highly suggest not going there. So Phuket is, it's an island, but it looks like it's the, part of the peninsula on the western like coast area of Thailand but obviously this isn't a review of like people who live there it's it's very big so there's a lot of people that actually live there and the area like um i guess away from the tourist part and obviously that part is probably much like every other part of Thailand and the Thai people that live there um it's just just like a place where people live but the tourist area is very very overrun and a lot of the people like I got my nails done I was like talking to the woman that 
work there and she was like I hate it here I I live here to make money and I have to send it back to my parents and I want to move back because I'm like from the north and like it's just she's just like it's just so easy to make a bunch of money here because all the tourists but this is just like horrible and I was like yeah it's like the vibe is like very intense and um you know tourist areas are sort of depressing and it, it made me feel like yeah I wish that there was a better option for people that they didn't have to like work in this area I hope that doesn't sound like condescending but I was just like yeah it, it would be better if it was less this I think um I think the thing about Phuket is it's been a tourist destination for so long now that it has this vibe of like people have been doing this for like decades I remember like in the 90s when I was a kid a lot of my friends would go there because it was like known for that and so you know everything that you do is set up like in this very touristy way like you book a tour and there's like a million people on the tour and the tour guides just like oh my god I have to do this every day this sucks and um a lot of people go to Phuket because the islands that are uh about like a I guess an hour away on a speedboat they're called PP islands and those are the islands that you see in a lot of people's vacation photos of Thailand the ones that are like jetting straight out of the ocean and they're very very beautiful and I highly recommend going there just to see that because it's definitely worth it also there's like a group of islands they call them James Bond islands because I think there was a James Bond movie that was filmed there and that's like a big place for tourists to go take photos as well but what I learned after going to Phuket is that on the other side is, um, I think, I think that's like a peninsula, not an island, and it's called Krabi, and that area is far less touristy, and it's actually closer to PP Island, so you can stay in Krabi and then visit the islands too. You don't necessarily have to be in Phuket. That might be wrong, but I don't know. If you are going to go there, you probably will research it. Um, so I don't know if I recommend going to Phuket. Oh, what did I want to say the the tour it is funny because you know I like I said in the video me and Oak kept like thinking about that thing on TikTok where people are like expectation versus reality where it's like you think it's gonna be you on this beach by yourself and there's like one million tourists like you have to stand in line to get on the stairs to walk down to the beach and it was so packed I was like I can't breathe like how am I gonna get out of this um, and it was really funny because you have to stand on this beach and everyone was trying to take a picture where it looked like there was no one else on the beach. And I thought that was really funny. Apparently, oh, I did look into this option, but it was really expensive. You can rent a speedboat and just go by yourself, but the speedboat is around like a thousand dollars, but it can take up to six people. So if you want to do that and splurge on that, that's probably going to be great if you have six five other friends like you know that's not going to be that much per person um and then probably if you did that and then started from Krabi it would be like a much easier thing but also you know it, it's it goes in line with what I was saying in the beginning like all the social media travel bloggers go there right and it's like the it's like the top five places to go in Thailand, like that kind of place. So like, I, I have to ask yourself, is that important to you for you to get that picture? I don't know. I, I we, we just sort of went along with it. It was for me worth it to see. And I thought it was really funny. And, it, you know, being there with Oak 
and just goofing around was like really fun and it was actually really interesting to see how people interact with each other and all that stuff I think is kind of fun so I think it was definitely worth it but it's definitely worth going there once I'm not gonna say not to go um another thing and then Phuket we went to this like I'm trying to think I'm I feel like I'm like going into this tourist information territory and I want to think of any deep thoughts I had in Phuket oh this is where you know what I had I did have like a horrible horrible well so okay so Oak and I went to Patong Road which is near Patong Beach which is, which is the main touristy area and this is like probably the first time that I went to or first and only time because I didn't go to the main one in Bangkok where I went to like the nightlife scene that Thailand is so famous for and it you know it was very moving because I got there and it was like so fun it was like you were seeing things that are so wild and crazy there's a lot of sex workers and I love like stuff like that I think it is empowering to a lot of women and a lot of the people um, you know, like men, women that work there, you can tell that they do enjoy it. And it's like something that it's their life. And I don't think that anyone should be shamed for it. And I was like, Oh, this is great. Like, this is a great expression of yourself for you. Um, but then I saw what I like to call the suffering of mankind in its full fucking glory, if you can even call it that. And I started seeing a lot of the people that work there, sex workers, looked miserable to be there and sorry it's gonna this is gonna make me a little emotional um and you know it's hard to see somebody that fucking looks like your mom <laughs> sorry like wearing like a full face of makeup and a mini skirt looking fucking miserable standing next to a bunch of fucking drunk people it's fucking hard to see that and I like, I don't know. I can't fucking have fun when I can like sense that these people are just not happy. And I'm just like, why, why does this person have to be here? You know, if they don't want to, um, it's like, I'm, I'm fine that, you know, obviously a lot of people love doing that kind of work and, and they think it's fun. And, but I just, I just wish it was just people that wanted to do it and didn't have to do it. And I think what was even more heartbreaking was that, uh, there are like people working there that are not part of like you know the sex work stuff but they're just selling things and um this one person really moved me because she was selling like pancakes and I could tell like she was religious by like how she was dressed and I was like you don't fucking want to be here and you're just like a sweet person and I remember like Oak was talking to her and like she was like so excited that like Oak spoke Thai and like he was just like treating her like a normal human being and like while we were ordering pancakes like this drunk tourist came up and she was just like wow you're like really doing a great job and like she was like looking at her like she was scared and I was just like I don't want you to have a fucking beer <laughs> sorry <laughs> Like, I just didn't want her to have to fucking be there, you know, selling pancakes at fucking midnight. Like, I just wish that there was, you know, which is it's it's weird for me to say, because if you know anything about me, I'm all for sex work. And I and I don't don't necessarily like religion. I don't like religious people, but it's like I also feel like people have the right to live their life however they want. And I want that woman to like be able to live her life in this way that she chose, you know, and I understand that people don't like hedonistic behavior and they have this set of morals that's different than mine. And if she 
wants to live like that i don't think she has to fucking be there and like i just felt like i just felt like it was so fucking unfair and and here's the other thing and i think this is the thing that was very striking and moving to me and i didn't really realize until i got there in all my life i've always viewed sex work as you know not all of it some of it like i i know i keep reiterating this but it's very important to me that you hear this that not all of it is exploitative i think it is empowering to a lot of people but the exploitative part how i viewed it was somebody being abused and exploited by a clientele that are the abusers but i think being there and seeing the people that patronize like these sort of areas are also people that are used to being abused like they're financially struggling they're a lot of them are young men and you know like young men of color and i was like i could tell that a lot of way in a lot of instances is probably the only way that they can interact with women and have whatever sex life and i could tell that this is like like something that they also probably in a perfect world wouldn't necessarily want to do even though they were having a lot of fun doing it and it made me realize it's actually like two groups of people that have this like dysfunctional sort of idea of human relationships who found each other and have this transactional relationship and i was like i felt bad for people who have to engage um in that way for any kind of human interaction for both sides obviously i feel bad for the people that are being exploited more but i could see that it was like this problem that was like feeding it into itself and there were a lot of like very intense social interactions happening there were a lot of you know white couples where you know they were told that this was a fun place to go to and a lot of the women were very upset you know they're just like very uncomfortable they didn't want to be there and their boyfriends were like yeah fuck yeah and we saw a lot of that happening and i was like you know and that that's very interesting you know like as you know like cisgendered straight women in those monogamous relationships a lot of us are told that we have to go along when your man wants to go to a fucking watch a fucking 15 year old throw ping pong balls out of her hoo-ha like what the fuck is going on there nobody wants to fucking see that except for some i mean i'm sure there are people that that, that want to see it but like why do i have to go along with my goddamn lithuanian husband you know do you know what i mean and and i was like this is like suffering like this is a whole other thing and then there were and then i saw as i left me and oak just got so depressed we had to leave right away but as i was leaving i saw these like old white guys and they like were like australian or something and i was like these two old white guys and you could tell that they had like gotten all dressed up and sprayed down with cologne and one of them had already gotten so drunk it wasn't even that late and one of them was so drunk he could barely stand up and he was also old so he was like struggling physically and i remember his friend being like come on man his friend just looked humiliated and he was and i was like this is sad like this is sad that your friend 
is not even your friend enough to help you when you're drunk. Like he's not going to help you get to the hotel. He's just embarrassed by you. And he's probably going to just like dump you right there. And like, what does that mean for male friendships? Like you guys don't even have each other's back. Like there's so much happening. And I was like, oh God, these guys are like, these guys are victims in a way, you know, like everyone's like this like victim and this like there's a lot of pain being perpetuated and a lot of suffering being perpetuated alongside people that were just actually having fun in a healthy way and, you know, enjoying their careers and, you know, like dancers and stuff like that. Like all of it was just happening all at once, everything, you know, and it just like really blew me away. I was like, this is fucking life, man. It's just suffering and pain along with the most fun anyone's ever had and like dancing and lady boys you know what I mean and I was just like it's there's it's I'm not the person here to judge any of it is like what I know what I realized I'm not here to judge anybody I'm not here to say it's wrong for this person to do that or that person to do this I'm just here observing as a Korean woman, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just here for to point out the BTS stickers is that's like all I am. And it just it, it did like it, it caused like a profound realization that, you know, life is just about me understanding stuff that happens, observing it, stopping the things that are in my power to stop that are harmful, but also coming to the fucking epic realization that I am powerless in a lot of ways and shit's going to happen whether I like it or not. And and among all that, beautiful things are going to happen too. And, you know, I can see and, you know, admire the beautiful parts and cry and be sad about the fucking sad parts and just like help as much as I possibly fucking can. And, you know, I gave that fucking pancake lady like uh, a tip and I was just I gave her an extra tip and she was really excited and maybe even sad because it wasn't even that much money. and it's like i don't know what i can do but i just i just fucking i don't know what i can do and then you know we rode the motorcycle home and i was like crying the whole time and i was like i just wish that if i had a fucking this is like a thought that i've always had you know i think a lot of asian people think this way if i had a fucking million dollars i would just fucking give it to her (laughs) do you know what i mean but i don't and maybe if i did maybe i wouldn't maybe i would fucking go spend it on a fucking boat or something i don't know but i feel like in that minute if i did i would have given a turn i wish um i guess on the motorcycle ride home i was just thinking you know what if i if i do get a million dollars one day i have to fucking remember this because i can't like I, i can't i can't forget that you know and that was the end of my trip. We, I did cry. I did laugh. I told some awkward stories about almost having sex. There's more stories, but I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna tell them because I feel like I'm now. I'm like paranoid that people are gonna listen to this. They're not. They're never gonna find the podcast, are they? They they live in Thailand. Who knows? That was my trip. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know um, if you have any questions i um oh i'm also going to try to record with mino next week to catch up on him and uh, how he felt about me being gone because i think he had a lot of big emotions um you can follow the podcast at harry butthole podcast on instagram i have a patreon that i haven't been doing anything on but hopefully i will um do stuff on there it's been very helpful 
Um, of course, you can find all episodes moving forward on the Joy Sauce website. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, you can follow me at YM Mayor on social media or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. Bye.